Yo, yo, yo. Uh, welcome to episode 146 of Abe Thompson and Other Disappointments, your twice weekly delve into the worlds of politics and dystopia. You'll dance through the fields of doom lolzery. Uh, for the benefit of those just joining for the first time, welcome to dystopia. Welcome to the dark place where we try to make it that little bit more bearable for you. Now, if, you, if you're hurt here for the first time, uh, if you're busting that dystopia cherry, don't worry. We're going to make this comfortable. And yet also awful. This is, this is not the introduction that I had in mind. This is beginning to sound a bit problematic. So let us, let us move on. Uh, I am your host, Aid Thompson. Grab yourself a glass of wine, crack open a beer, whatever it is that you do to dampen and calm the chaos running riot through your anxieties let's just let's just get into it let's do it it's been quite a week for the tories and it is only tuesday guys like it's been a week and we're only two days into it that is when you know the political situation in your, in your country is fucked that is like when you got a week or two's worth of chaos going on compressed into just 48 hours right well they just announced last night uh, Nadim Zahawe is now under investigation by the Ethics Advisor or the Ethics Committee. Um, we've then had what J uh, Johnson's latest undermining of Rishi Sunak. Uh, that comes after, you know, giving his speech at the Carlton Club and taking the biggest single donation of any Conservative MP this Parliament to the tune of like a cool million pounds, man. Uh, and then he was flying to Davos last week for the WEF, which is ostensibly a meeting of world leaders, right? But there he is, looking like fucking Tony Carroll turning up to the morning glory rehearsals or some shit, you know? Like, why Why are you here? Like, didn't we fire you already? Well, yeah, no, but this is, um, you know, this is, this is what I do. This, this is what I do. <laughs> Well, I guess. I mean, like, could you, could could you just stand over there, right? Just just out of the way. This is weird. World leaders with actual power discussing initiatives while Johnson pretends he's somehow involved. Still, I don't know. Like, he's he's like a really enthusiastic eunuch at an orgy. You know, like oh, I'm just I'm just happy to be here, guys. <laughs> just just delighted to be involved, sort of. You know, so there was the donation, the Carlton Club, uh, the Davos, uh, the Ukraine visit. And now this morning, front page op-ed, the Daily Mail. Boris Johnson says, when will the West do something? Or something. I mean, it was like words to that effect. I don't know. Like, I, I don't have it to hand. I don't keep copies of the Daily Mail lying around my house or shed like you, you got me i'm busted also i forgot to take a screenshot before i started the uh, the podcast uh, uh I, I, I don't care like if you think that this show is ill-prepared and a bit you know punk rocked uh, uh punk rocked punk rock <laughs> rough around the edges i'm fine with that this isn't fucking gmb okay so anyway, there we go. Johnson's, you know, cosplay conservative leader shtick is now in fifth gear, people. What else has been happening in the last 48 hours in this uh, 
this barrel scraping banquet of Bellendry. Uh, there was the BBC chairman getting his job seemingly, reportedly, allegedly. Got to be careful here, right? As I'm picking up more listeners, I've got to be more, <laughs> more legally careful. He says one day after advertising Pepsi as if you drink Coke, you're a paedophile. I've got to be a little, little bit more careful. Um, I don't know. I feel like politicians are more likely to sue me than multinational cola like manufacturers. I feel like they'll be like, well, you know, he's kind of a comedian. He just takes a bit like, I think I'll get off with Coca-Cola, but. But possibly not with the Conservative Party. Anyway, look, allegedly, perhaps, maybe, reportedly, uh, the BBC chairman may have got his job as a sort of, you know, you scratch my back <laughs> of the journo-political sphere. So there's that as well. This has all happened in the last 48 hours, right? And now finally, at least, you know, at least for now, it's finally. I, I'm sure something else utterly fucking ridiculous will explode onto Sky News by two o'clock. Like, you know, fucking, I don't know, James Cleverly will be arrested for child sex trafficking. And Sunak and Rob will say, well, he's a hard worker. You know, he's, he's, he's always been fine with me. I, I can't comment on individual cases, I'm afraid. Like, there's something like that. Something like that will happen, I'm sure. But for now... Finally, the last thing within the last 48 hours, it appears, again, appears, allegedly, perhaps, it might be the case, that when Rishi Sunak headed up the Treasury, they deliberately lifted sanctions for a Russian guy so he could sue a British journalist with a slap order. That broke this morning on Open Democracy. You should go and check that out. Google open democracy and uh, the treasury and suing and slap orders. You'll find it. You'll, you'll be fine. So in, in summary, before we really jump into this, we've got international corruption by way of Russia and the treasury. We've got domestic BBC and Tory party corruption, right? We've got Tory party specific tax avoidance and therefore more corruption. <laughs> and then we've got Sunak versus Johnson, you know, infighting. What a what a fantastic, inspiring state to be in here in the mother of parliament. So why why is it always the patriots that make you ashamed of your country? Can someone explain that to me? Riddle me that. Anyway, let's get into this. Let's have some fun. So first up, Zahawe, our friend Nadim, is now under investigation by the government's ethics advisor, which is probably the right move, right? Like, I mean... You would hope that if this motherfucker doesn't resign, which we I, like, I don't know how seriously to take this, but I'd heard a rumor yesterday that Sunak had asked him to resign. And he said no. <laughs> I, I have no source for that. It was just on a tweet. And then somebody else I saw, I replied back saying, I, I, have you got a source of this? I haven't seen anything about this. So I don't know if it's true or not. But I want it to be. I really want that to be the truth. Like, I'm going to need you to tender your resignation. No. No, Rishi. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, I mean, accusations of being a coward or being weak or, you know, being too scared to make the move or whatever, be damned. Like, <laughs> that is, 
I'm going to need you to step down, I think. No, just no. You would hope if he didn't resign, though, you know, if he didn't hang his, sh his head in shame, if he didn't secure himself into the stocks and ask to be paraded around Westminster while picketing crowds throw fruit and vegetables at him, if he doesn't opt for that, then there should be a party or government mechanism that seeks accountability, right? So that's good that he's been referred to the ethics advisor. What's funny about it is it's literally only a matter of hours since Sunak last said he had full confidence in him. <laughs> like my friend, my friend Davey Moo, who if you don't follow him on Twitter, go and give him a follow now, uh, at Davey Moo. Uh, he said, like yesterday about it, he was like, how can you have confidence in someone who you are referring to the ethics advisor? Like, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, it's like... It's like calling the police on a burglar. <laughs> and then when they arrive, you're like, no, 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 actually, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be this gentleman's character reference, please. He's a, he's a good egg. Like, what are you talking about? He's got total confidence in his minister without portfolio. Like a guy he obviously had so much confidence in back in September. <laughs> he was like, yeah, minister without portfolio. That's your like. You know, I imagine him looking around the cabinet desk, you know, allocating offices and jobs and stuff. To, right. Yeah. Steve Barkley, your health. Uh, Rob, Justice Minister. Uh, Jeremy, I'm going to need you to be the chancellor. You know, Nadim sat there with his fucking hand up. You know, he's like, oh, I thought I thought I, maybe you'd make me chancellor again or, you know, foreign secretary, perhaps. Or, you know, and Sunak is aware of this guy's carelessness with <laughs> With his HMRC relationship. And he's like, um, Nadim, you, you can be minister without portfolio. Like, he already had no confidence in him. Minister without portfolio. Minister without an actual brief or area of focus. Like, there are interns he probably had to go to to get sign off for shit. <laughs> He's reporting into the work experience, kids. He's like, I do and always had full and total confidence in Mr. Zahawi. Like, I mean, look, to be fair, we can't rule out that Rishi is like, you know. Yes, I, I know I said I had full confidence, but in fairness, I'm a fucking idiot. So it's not really up to me, is it? I mean, like, what, what people should or shouldn't have confidence in is, is not up to me. So, so this feels like an ethicsy thing, you know? Plus, plus my wife was a non-dom while I was chancellor, so I don't know if my judgment is necessarily the corner of the room that you want to go to when it comes to what chancellors should or shouldn't do with their tax affairs. I have full confidence, but perhaps, you know, my history might render me unsuitable to offer judgment on others with this. <laughs> Like, you wouldn't let Dharma judge on Bake Off, would you? Is all I'm saying. I mean, confidence-wise, with what Rishi Sunak does and does not have confidence in or with, I mean, that is an interesting area, isn't it? What does Rishi Sunak have confidence in? Like, I don't know if you've ever seen him in interviews. Like the one with the Scottish guy that fried him last week. 
about independence, right? And he couldn't answer the question. He just kept repeating the same dodging tactics. And the journalist was like, Prime Minister, that is not what I'm asking you. You know, like just, you know, pushing him and pushing it. And he just nervously, agitatedly just kept going in a loop, just repeating the same thing, like a, a rishi bot bug or something. You know, like, and I imagine his handlers looking on like, ah, oh, shit, he's short-circuited again. Is someone, could he give him a kick? Is it, it hasn't done anything? No, he didn't reset. No, uh, yeah, fine. Let's, let's get him back to England. All right, open the Range Rover door for him. Yeah, fire up the private plane. We're out. <laughs> like, like, he's just nervous and awkward, isn't he? And it doesn't even, it doesn't need to be in an interview, you know, where journalists are holding him to account, right? It was the same when he was talking to the school kids, do you remember, over the, the table? And it was a, they were talking about Diet Coke or Pepsi or something. And he was all like Alan Partridge-esque about it, you know, or, or indeed in his PMQ's appearances, right? Like, he's just not a confident guy, which is fine. I mean... I'm not a particularly socially confident guy either. I mean, like, why do you think I'm sat talking to you here from the safety of hiding behind your headphones, right? Like, if I was actually sat there with you on the tube or at the gym or wherever you're listening to this, you would be frankly jarred at how shit I am at speaking to people. It's fine to be unconfident and not self-assured, Rishi. But if you are like that, if you are like the rest of us, and it takes you a second to think of what to say or to process the anxiety of being interviewed or whatnot, do what the rest of us do and start a podcast or do some shit stand-up about it. <laughs> Don't become Prime Minister. Because that isn't for you, bruv. All right? <laughs> I mean, it's not just me, is it? Like, he does... He does come off as nervous, right? And over-rehearsed a bit, I think. So when he says that he has full confidence in Nadim Zahawi or anyone, I don't know, it's like either his confidence levels in general are not anything that anyone should take seriously. <laughs> like, or Nadim Zahawe is literally the only thing that Sunak has any confidence in. Those are your options. Take your fucking pick. So anyway, look, that was the first thing, is Zahawe referred to the ethics advisor and his HMRC thing is paid off, but the ethics advisor is engaged. You know, like they're, they're basically like, let's see if this tax avoidance and penalty shit is conducive with being a government minister. Let's explore the ethics of that. Which, look, I know the cynical among us might respond with something along the lines of, if paying a penalty wasn't conducive with being a government minister, Rishi Sunak wouldn't even be in office to refer this to the ethics advisor. Right? Like, I mean, would he? He wouldn't. Like, how is Sunak going to respond to that shit? Really? If the verdict of the ethics advisor is you can't be in government if you've had to pay legal penalties, like surely he will have to be like May and Johnson then. He'll have to find some way to wriggle out of it and be like, well, it doesn't apply to me, you know? Like he'll just sit on the report 
or he'll whitewash it to protect himself. It will be just like Johnson's, you know, racism report. You know, the, 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 the racism thing is it's a, it's a problem for me. It'll be all of that shit all over again. It'll be like Theresa May's suppression of inconvenient reports. Do you remember those? Like, I know it all, it all fades away into the ether a bit, doesn't it? And at times there's this tendency to forget how shit she also was because we're being hit in the face every day with how shit the current lot are and how fast the chaos and corruption and news cycles move. But but with Theresa May's reports, like I think they were into um into immigration, right? And it's quite funny. Like there was about eight or nine of them all looking into the benefits and pitfalls of immigration. Right. Like whether immigrants had a net detrimental or a net positive impact on jobs and wages and whatever. And the conclusions like eight or nine fucking times. <laughs> like, what's the definition of insanity again? It's like, you know, trying the same thing again, expecting a different. Sort. The conclusion eight or nine sequential times was basically a guy knocking on, on the door like, like, no, 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 t- uh, Terry. Terry, I, look, I know you're trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator male reading Brexiters who can't keep the threads of their boxes dry for the thought of harpooning dinghies and dead toddlers on a beach. I know. I know you've got your market here. I get it. But unfortunately, babe, on this occasion and the preceding eight occasions also, it, it appears that the immigration thing is a net positive i know i know i know i'm gutted too but yeah this this isn't the one i'm afraid i yeah i i'm i'm gonna take it yeah god bless terry god bless yeah i'll see you at the murdoch's christmas too yeah okay okay bye but 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 bye now babe you know like these these reports said that the overseas workers were complementary rather than competitive with regards to like the interests of british workers and these reports came back to Theresa May and she was like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Shh, shh. what are you doing? Just that, that is not going to help with the go home campaigns, is it? That is just not to just, just shut, shut your fucking mouth. I'm like sitting on them, suppressing them. Like I think it was Vince Cable who criticised her at the time or shortly after her tenure as as home secretary for suppressing those reports again like it's it's hard to remember the specifics because everything moves so fast but i'm pretty sure that's broadly accurate i remember someone on newsnight lambasting her as well like what the fuck does she think she's doing like this isn't north korea this isn't russia you know this is a report that you asked for like anyway sunak will end up being like that too right Despite the whole, you know, honesty, accountability, transparency, you know, they make they make for good doorstep sound bites, don't they? But fucking Theresa May said the same shit. She stood outside number 10 talking about the just about managings. Boris Johnson said all that shit about Red Wall voters had lent him their vote and he won't let them down. But they all do it. Probably with good intentions at the beginning right at the start of their tenure but then as soon as the donors and the whips and the machine get involved boom 
we're back to whitewashing reports and suppressing information that you fucking asked for, right? So anyway, he'll get the report back about Zahawei and it will be inconvenient to him because it will mention penalties. And just as reports were inconvenient to his predecessors, he shall too now be like, yeah, could you, could, could you just change the wording from uh, fixed penalties and not conducive to being a minister to um, tax avoidance isn't conducive to form a chance. No, oh, fuck, I can't do that either, can I? Okay, look, let's, let's back up a little bit. Um, I like the report. I do. It's fine. But could you just be like very specific please like nothing about chancellors and nothing about penalties is that a could you do that for me like they'll be like well, I, like i don't know what you want me to say like he was a chancellor and he got fined so like what more is there to say mr what well, you can't you just have the report say fucking uh nadim go bye bye or you know so anyway look zahaway is now under investigation by the ethics advisor and you know i've I think I've said this before, but I am amazed, frankly, that the Conservative Party even have an ethics advisor. That is, you know, that must be either the easiest job or the hardest job in the world. Like, no in between. Like, it must be... It must be easy as fuck, right? Because, look... Does anyone in the Conservative Party really have any morals at all? I mean, do they really? In between, you know, starving school children and blaming the poor for using food banks and promoting sex pests and funneling money to their mates. And like, we're supposed to believe that they care about ethics, are we? Because <laughs> that feels a stretch to me. So anyway, I don't think anyone in the wider Conservative Party is going to be having one-to-one catch-ups and quarterly reviews with this person. Like, no one's going to give a fuck about the Ethics Advisor's Day or goals or objectives, are they? Like, like I know people listening might be like, not all Conservatives are evil aid. Come on now, you're being a bit ridiculous or more with the same brush. They're not all, not all Conservatives are, are evil. So just grow up aid. Stop being so bloody tribal. I mean the Parliamentary Conservative Party. I mean CCHQ. I mean Whitehall. I mean their MPs. Like, I'm not going to sit here and give them the benefit of the doubt when so few of them are ever willing to stand up and do what's right or speak out or resign in protest at so many literal crimes and dishonesty and, you know... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're nice, really. Really? Because they just voted en masse, Borg-like, to bring back child labour. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Your son is seven, isn't he? Like, well, as of next week, he's going back to the mines. And there'll be no cushy, commie holiday pay for him either. <laughs> but I'm sure they're not all bad. I'm sure it's just a majority of bad apples. I'm sure there's a good, you know, seven or eight goodies in there somewhere who just kept their fucking head down like... Anyway, look, ethics advisor. I'm sure it's a cushy fucking job. I'm sure they just rock up at 9am, you know, and send an email out with, what, like a few fucking compliance courses on it or something. <laughs> like, then they clock out at 10.30. That's it. Like, then they 
walk over the road and sign off on another treasury approved Russian donation. And then it's what, like off to the Carlton Club to look the other way while a performance of the chief whip molesting someone takes place. Right. It could be an easy job. It really could be. (laughs) But as I say, it might be the easiest job in the world, but it also could be the hardest. You know, it also could be impossible. It could be the sort of job where, you know, you've spent hours behind that desk trying desperately to explain complex concepts like why you can't break the ministerial code (laughs) to cretins like Johnson. You'd have to use sock puppets and pepper pig metaphors and you're still there at 9 p.m and you've missed your kid's birthday and your wife isn't speaking to you anymore and you're like all right can we just yeah fine let's take it from the top prime minister i don't understand why can't i break the code because you're prime minister so if anyone should be able to break the rules then it's it's me no nobody should be breaking the rules doesn't feel right. No, it's important that you, more than anyone, do not break the rules. I, I don't, I don't follow. If you break the rules, all of your staff will break the rules. Also, yeah, but, but, but then I, as Emperor Johnson, can let them off. Yeah, and, th- and then you'll get voted out. Well, I'll just break the rules then, then as well. Oh, oh, what? I'll just refuse to go. You'll need a tank to drag me out. You can't just refuse to go. You, you'll you get physically removed from number 10. Do you understand? Right, well, I'll just carry on pretending to be prime minister. I'll fly to Davos. I'll go to Ukraine. Right, I, I mean, you can do that if you want to. But 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 what? I, I think people will just think it's a bit weird. What's weird about that? Well, you'd be pretending to be prime minister after you're no longer prime minister. Nonsense. It shows commitment to the job. I, I think it shows mental instability. That's what I think it shows. Anyway, ethics advisor to the Tory party. What, what a job. Anyway, next thing in this wild week for the Conservatives, Johnson's continued undermining of Rishi Sunak. Um, I mean, we, we sort of covered this yesterday. I'm doing, I'm doing two solo shows this week, such as my ego's desire to ride slightly higher up the apple podcasts charts um but anyway look put simply my theory which i'm sticking to i think it holds water is that this is boris johnson playing the long game basically right like i I know it's fun to take the piss i know there's parallels we can draw between donald trump refusing to concede the election and you know reportedly having a fake oval office and which, you know, I read about that. He, I don't know if you've seen or read or heard about that, but apparently he has like his, a, like a fake presidential Oval Office now in Mar-a-Lago because he can't accept that he's no longer president, which I can't, I cannot get the thought, like the vision out of my head that he has like a little Fisher-Price Oval Office that he likes to go and play in when he's had a bad day. Anyway, you could draw parallels between that, you know, this non-acceptance that it's all done, it's over, you're finished. And Johnson swanning around at the World Economic Forum, right? And visiting Zelensky and, you know, all of that stuff. The two of them, both of them need to accept it's over, but neither of them can. But as I say, the long game for Boris Johnson is, you know, he's just waiting to 
you know, for the Commons Privileges Committee thing to happen. And he's hoping that they won't expel him from the House of Commons. And then once it's resolved, once he's had his slap on the wrist, then he makes the move. But in that time, he has to keep himself high profile. He has to keep himself looking better than Sunak, which, look, appears to be a dynamic that Sunak himself is keen on signing up to, right? Like, like it doesn't take much to look better than Rishi Sunak right now or to look more commanding or more statesmanlike sat in the back of a fucking cab without his seatbelt on, grinning inanely at the camera like he's the fucking, you know, male best friend that you're taking to the wedding. He's the friend zone date that you're taking to a wedding. That's what he looks like in the back of that car. But anyway, look, quick, quick side note on all this stuff, like the privileges committee stuff, because I've seen I've seen a few people sort of scratching their heads for answers on this committee stuff like what could happen to him like this you know this parliament uh committee um you know looking into his his lying at the dispatch box what could realistically come of that like you know there's some there's some wanting <laughs> in that like in in the way that people ask that question what could realistically happen to boris johnson am i getting my hopes up and i, I just want to tell you that as far as I can see, the components are all there to have Boris Johnson tossed out of British politics for good. Like, the potential is there that that could happen. Like, if they find that he's lied to Parliament, if he's lied at the dis dispatch box, which I think is, you know, fairly self-evident. <laughs> I mean, the guy stood there saying all guidance was followed and denied knowledge of any other parties and then later as we now know it turned out that not only was the guidance not followed <laughs> and people were fined for it but the prime minister himself was fined and the specific date he was asked about in parliament he was then pictured holding a glass of wine out right so it's fucking obvious that he's lied so if or more accurately when they find that he's lied to parliament they have the choice of suspending him or not which i think they should do obviously others may disagree but look if you're not if you're not going to suspend someone for lying at the dispatch box then that is a sort of tacit approval of more mps doing it so you will just open the floodgates it will be literally like please guys please don't lie to get yourselves out of trouble well uh, what what happens if i do absolutely nothing like it will be like that is what you'll open the floodgates to. So so they kind of have to suspend him. I think they will do something along those lines. But then it becomes a question of for how long? Because if it's for more than 10 days, it will trigger a recall petition, right? 10 days is the moment that that shit activates a recall petition. And then if that is signed by more than 10% of his constituents in Uxbridge, which I think is quite a reachable goal, <laughs> given he's never fucking there, there's probably constituents in Uxbridge who are like, we've been campaigning 
for more public toilets for fucking five years. We've been begging them to uh, build more houses. We've been begging, like, but he's never here. Like, why don't we, you know what we should do? We should just drape ourselves in Ukrainian flags and then maybe he'll get confused and give a fuck. I'm sure there's constituents in Uxbridge who are like, why the fuck? (laughs) He's in Davos now, is he? Oh, oh, wonderful. Yes. There are seven children every week killed on this T-section. We've been begging for someone to come down. But I see, yes, Davos is clearly more important. I'm sure there can be 10% of his constituents who would happily say, recall, motherfucker. (laughs) It's not going to be hard. And then it would be a by-election. And I'm sure he would stand or contest it or whatever, but I think then he would be out. But it's a bit like, you know, do I actually think... It will get that bad for him. Like, do you guys listening, do you think it could get that bad for Boris Johnson? Do you think there would be that sort of repercussion where he will be suspended for more than 10 days and it does trigger the recall and then 10% sign the thing and then there's a by-election and then, like, there's a lot of variables there. Do you think it could get that bad? Like, like, I mean contextualize this for a second right against the backdrop of the 350 million pound bus lie the being taken to court for like do you remember that private prosecution that that guy tried to prosecute him for lying to the electorate that shit the the parties the accusations of misuse of public funds with the american lady that was giving them the it lessons the the russian donations the undocumented parties he attended with lebedev the making lebedev a lord and overruling the security concerns <laughs> again but just contextualize it with the total lack of consequences for all of that and then ask yourself factoring all of that in do you think he will face consequences for lying in Parliament? You know, to that extent of being effectively banished from standing again. Because I don't know about you guys. My faith is on the floor. It is through the floor. In fact, it's in the basement. I'm staring at my basement through a hole in the floor with my fourth whiskey of the morning. That is where my faith is. Like with with anything related to Trump or Johnson or whoever, right? I swear to God, whenever they get in a spot of bother, right? They're always so corrupt, right? That then the people or institutions investigating them or the, you know, the government bodies or or whatever, either they are compromised themselves or it's a a stacked deck like this uh, parliamentary committee that is overwhelmingly conservative. Like it's already... Uh, it's always either too corrupt that nothing ever happens or it's government bodies and institutions that just move way too slow to actually affect change in time to stop this individual from creating their next fucking chaos that then clouds the original problem and pushes the original scandal back way further into the distance. Do you know what I mean? Like with Donald Trump's sensitive documents right take that as an example like when did he leave office he left office in 2021 early right i think was it early 2020 anyway look 2021 is when he was ejected from power now when did they ask for those documents back like the following week the following month maybe like 
Like, why did it take a year and a half to get to that FBI raid? A year and a half? Like, like they should have asked him nicely immediately. They should have explained, you can't have confidential security information lying around in a private residence where there could be, you know, potential spies and informants working ghost jobs. And, you know, and then if he doesn't return them after you've explained that shit, he should be hauled in front of a special, you know, maybe private, but, you know, special post-presidential conduct court. And he should be explained to why this is now actually, you know, quite serious. And if you don't want to be embarrassed in the papers and on MSNBC or CNN or whatever, basically you have 72 hours now to return the documents. And court marshals will be made available to escort you back to the property to make sure that you do. Otherwise, it's getting linked to the media. Like, it should be that sort of arrangement. And then if you don't return them after that final warning, shit gets serious. You get raided within six weeks, right? That's how that shit should go. But in the time that they allowed all that stuff to unravel and complicate and explode into, you know, the... the democratic white house or weaponizing the fbi you know all of that stuff in the time that it take it took to mature to that trump has what he's gone ahead and founded truth social he's reframed the january the 6th riots from being something that initially fox news and the republican party initially were embarrassed about and they were distancing themselves from you know, like, you, you got to tell Trump to, to back down. You got to tell Trump to tell all these people to go home. You know, it was that sort of stuff. It's gone from that to being a core component of Fox segments and something that prominent Republicans are now championing. <laughs> you know, the big lie, all of that stuff. In the time that it took you to actually get those documents back, he's already exploded and turned into something else. A bigger problem. But the absence of repercussions for Trump and Johnson, whether it's through, as I say, stacking the deck in committees and hearings or or the sluggish movement of the investigations. Like, I, I don't know what it does to you guys, but it just makes me think like maybe specifically with Boris Johnson, like probably what will happen is the Privileges Committee will say that he did lie. But then he won't be suspended for long enough that he's banned from Parliament, right? I can't see them wanting to set that precedent. They'll be too, they'll be too British about it, or they won't want to divide their party, or, or you know, they'll be like, oh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make a fuss, you know, we don't want to have this explode into something else, you know? I can totally see that happening. But as I say, all of the components are there to banish Boris Johnson from British politics forever. The only question mark at this stage is whether the Conservative Party and its, you know, Conservative-dominated uh, committee, Privileges Committee, are willing to actually, you know, put their balls on the table and make the right decision. Finally, the final thing that's happened in the last 48 hours of this awful week compressed into two days of news. The final thing was uh, what I saw on Open Democracy this morning which is the biggest scandal of, of them all, really. I can't believe I've left it right to the end of the show as well to talk about it. But here we go. Let's, I need to shine a light on this. Let's talk about it. Open Democracy revealed this morning, right, 
if you haven't read this already, this will flawjaw you, right? The Sunak Treasury, the Treasury when it was led by Rishi Sunak, it appears, <laughs> appears, allegedly, could have, reportedly, please don't sue me, it appears that they agreed to lift sanctions on a Kremlin-connected secret army dude, <laughs> head, of, head of a Russian mercenary army, they agreed to lift sanctions on him, and then he used his financial freedom to sue a British journalist. How about that shit? Amazing, isn't it? Like, why? Where did that pressure come from? Why would they agree to lift sanctions on this Putin ally, this Putin-connected guy, so that he can then transfer money from his Russian lawyer's firm to his British lawyer's firm so that they can then slap him with a literal slap order, which is where they sue journalists into the ground. But it costs the journalists so much money to defend themselves that even if the court case is a, not a success, even if this person doesn't succeed, that journalist is now in serious financial difficulty. And the idea is it should be a deterrent to all journalists. Don't talk about these guys. They'll sue you. You'll lose your house. Is it worth it? Like that kind of shit. And I'll read a little bit of the, uh, the article to you now, if you like. Let's get it up, shall we? Opendemocracy.net. So it says, revealed UK government helped sanctioned Putin ally to sue a British journalist. UK Treasury, then under Rishi Sunak's control, let Evgeny Prigozhin, I hope I'm saying that correctly, Evgeny Prigozhin, they let him circumvent sanctions to target Elliot Higgins. And here's the first couple of paragraphs for you. Uh, the UK government helped the boss of Russia's murderous mercenary army to circumvent its own sanctions and launch a targeted legal attack on a British journalist, Open Democracy Can Reveal. Evgeny Prigozhin is the founder of Wagner, a private army that the US government last week announced it would designate a transnational criminal organisation. Fuck. Allowing it to impose even tougher sanctions on the group. For years, it has been accused of human rights abuses and war crimes in Ukraine and across the world in support of Putin's regimes. Sanction... Uh, uh, regime, even singular... Uh, sanctions introduced in the UK and Europe in 2020 were supposed to prevent anyone from doing business with Prigozhin. He had also been sanctioned in the US in 2018. So how about that, man? Like, that is... Like, where was the pressure from? Who said that that was a good idea? How can you take the head of a mercenary private Russian army who appears that he was sanctioned in the US? He was already a person of interest in 2018. Sanctions were introduced in the UK and Europe in 2020, applied specifically to him. And then Open Democracy have found these emails where it suggests that the Treasury, the UK government, have then said, do you know what, guys? Yeah, just uh, let him in. You know, he's, I'm sure he's all right. I'm sure he's a good egg. Let him transfer his money. What's he doing? Suing a British journalist? Yeah, I'm... I'm sure it's all above board. Absolutely. Well, um, he's he's on an international watch list. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> like, if this was under Theresa May, obviously she would be like, shut, shut, shut your fucking mouth again. It's the same shit. Do you see what I mean? Like, it's like they start off with the best of intentions. 
But then once the machine gets involved, it's like, yeah, just let, yeah. I'm sure if we let him transfer $200,000 into this account, maybe he'll donate us some. <laughs> like, Anyway, look, I've run out of time, guys. This has been a lot of fun. If you're enjoying these uh, podcasts, these shows, please do consider jumping on the Patreon. It starts at only £3 a month. And these shows, you know, they sound haphazard and a bit punk rock, but they do take time and effort to put together. So any support is very, very welcome. Also, if you do jump on the Patreon, you get named and shamed at the end of episodes like this. So thanks once again to my Patreons for continuing your support. Uh, Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex, Chris and Rax. And then Ricardo, Silent, T-Rex, Oliver, Sarah, and Kerry. You guys rock my goddamn world. Uh, if you are interested in the Patreon, though, um, you get each podcast episode two days ahead of everyone else. Like Before it goes on to Spotify and Apple, you get your private RSS feed. Um, what else do you get? You get first look at the tickets for the live shows. We've got a live stand-up and a podcast panel taking place on Friday the 10th of February. It is sold out, but those tickets went out exclusively to the Patreons first. So if you're interested in that, um, it's stuff like, you know, me, Super Tansky, Jolly on Rubenstein. I think we might have Binface appearing in Soho. Watch this space about that. Um, uh, and Danny fucking Price from Instagram. I don't know if you know him. He's a really uh, uh, quite big Instagram activist. He hates me calling him an Instagram activist, by the way. But I'm going to... Fuck him. Fuck him. I'll call him an Instagram activist if I want. Mostly in lieu of actually having a decent description of him. I don't know how he would... How would he describe himself? He'd probably just say, go fuck yourself, Aid. Not giving you a description. Um, he drops the F-bomb a lot, by the way. Um, but if, you, if you've made it through this far... In one of my shows, I'm guessing the F-bomb is probably not much of an issue for you. Um, you also get access to the Discord chat, guys. We have a private VIP Discord channel, which is like instant messaging, right? A bit like WhatsApp, a bit like Slack. But um, but yeah, and there's me and all the Patreons in there. I jump in there once a day. Um, we all talk shit about Tories and post memes and, and all the rest of it. Um, that's enough about the Patreon. Anyway, if you're interested, jump on patreon.com forward slash aid thompson uh i'll be back on friday night with my guest this week it's lucy lou craft uh she's awesome she's really funny and uh she's a podcast producer from brighton i had her once i, I had her once oh my god i had her on once jesus uh, uh please still come on lucy um i had her on the show once uh before and uh she was yeah she was loads of fun so i'm looking forward to speaking with her again friday night and then of course i'll be back next wednesday with a solo show um that's it for now all the best keep safe and i'll catch up with you all soon all right ciao for now bye bye